Welcome to this week's episode of The Gathering. I was going to put this episode out last week, but then, just before it was finished, I felt it took us on a sidetrack and we needed to keep on the main track. And the end of episode five took the narrative in a whole new direction. How The Gathering unfolds is often as much a surprise to me as I hope it is to you. So I'm putting this episode out today because it's been difficult to get the next episode finished. I've been on a podcasting course for the last five weeks run by New Writing North and it's made me rethink the whole Jaya podcast. At the weekend I had time in a professional studio and got so many great recording tips. Now I'm trying to work with a new mic and a new piece of editing software so I'd really like to get to grips with that and make these final episodes the best they can possibly be. So I hope you enjoy this slight detour where we follow Asa in her job at The Gathering and find out a bit more about how she works in such mysterious ways. Then she goes out on a night with her team, all of which seems to be the final straw. She was waiting with her team for the young couple to arrive. The young couple had just moved to the city to start a new life together. They'd arrived a month early to grab the only available time slot with Asa at the gathering. The gathering was a retail experience that gave enrichment, promised fulfilment, innovative, unorthodox and very lucrative. No mention of shopping. The word shop had reverted back to its original slang meaning of prison. No one wanted to be imprisoned. No one wanted to be shopped or to go shopping. Customers were now guests, and guests were honoured guests, shining stars showered with gifts. Asa had an uncanny knack of knowing precisely the one thing they'd forgotten, the one thing they'd lost or misplaced, the one thing they missed terribly, achingly, the one thing they'd do anything to have hold of again. This was her gift. The gathering employed performers, not actors, delivering a script, but inter-actors who could beguile honoured guests and gather them in their nets. The honoured guests had to feel it, no fakery. It had to be natural and authentic with comms turned down. Asa insisted on it. No other interference or intervention, no network backup. That's what honoured guests paid handsomely for. That's what they came to Acer for. The young couple's arrival was announced with a fanfare and they were bestowed with a few small ceremonial gifts that moved progressively to larger, rarer, more exclusive items. All gifts were selected to perfectly match the young couple's quirks and idiosyncrasies. A watch with intricate cogs and springs, hand-drawn ink paintings of long extinct animals, human teeth set in a crystal jaw, a horsehair scarf plaited and decorated with ribbon in various shades of orange and green, a pressed flower with silver threads woven onto the petals. The young couple were genuinely bowled over. At this point, they were still getting used to not having those little voices in their ears telling them exactly what was going on and what was about to happen. 
It's not that hard to trick and confuse someone who's used to their world being mediated. One of her team became giddy as the young couple opened their gifts. This made the honoured guests feel even more honoured. Asa was waiting backstage trying to focus, but her thoughts were fractured. She was drifting back into the ocean. She was seeing the 17 members of her team who'd left. As the days and weeks had passed, they'd become an amorphous mass. They had, of course, been separate individuals, male and female, big and small, but now they seemed like a shoal of fish. Each fish is unique, different in some way to all the other fish, but to her they looked the same. And in her memory the Seventeen had become one mass, one shoal. And the team she was left with were not a shoal of fish. They were the normal, neurotic and paranoid kind of humans. They made her feel cold and empty. They made her feel like falling down a hole and not getting back out. As she stepped out into the arena, the young couple lit up. They were eager to see what gift she would bestow upon them. She took the young couple round the projected living space they were to acquire when the upgrades were finished. Sleek sophistication, wide rooms filled with subdued lighting. They finished the tour at the central feature, a wall of running water cascading down to fill a small pool filled with frogs. The frogs, of course, would not be real frogs. There were no real frogs. But the projection would be more real than real. Then the lights dimmed. The young couple held their breath. The rest of the team shrank away into the darkness and left the arena. That's when Asa produced the gift they'd been waiting for, the reason they'd come to the gathering to find her. And now they had before them the gift she had chosen. When they held the gift, when they looked upon it, it produced an intense feeling of awe and wonder, a feeling they'd never experienced before. It drew together their whole life experience up to and including this moment. The gift perfectly represented their inner soul, their hidden selves. This gift of closure was bestowed in secret, just Asa and the honoured guest or guests. They, of course, wanted to know how she did it. Everyone did. They wanted to know how she could produce the perfect gift with no comms. But she would never talk about it. Not to her team or the bosses, not even to the bosses of the bosses. She knew somehow, sometime, some way, they'd get it out of her. They'd grind her down, take her apart till they found what they were looking for. They couldn't bear not knowing. She wondered how long it would take. She wondered how long she had left. As she looked into the young couple's soft faces, their tear-filled eyes, she felt something drop heavily inside her. A lead weight, a ship's anchor, her stomach was dragged down. The young couple left holding hands, skipping merrily down the yellow brick road, garland with sweet-smelling flowers. Even if she'd pulled back the curtain to reveal the pulleys and levers, the mechanism that created the illusion, 
it wouldn't have made any difference. They'd have skipped away anyway. They would have followed the yellow brick road to the ends of the earth. They were out for the night on a company thank you for services rendered. The young couple had paid handsomely and opened the gateway for a fresh, new, lucrative and abundant stream of revenue. The gathering were pleased. Asa was out with her team celebrating. The headaches had returned with a vengeance. She was taking two drops of painkiller every half hour, every few minutes. They were by now far into the restaurant deep into the meal. She'd already lost her way. She was awash with wines and shots and had lost count of how many courses. She was pushing the boat out, pushing the boat out onto the lake. Then she jumped in and paddled hard and fast till the land receded to a thin, distant line. She was looking up into the huge star-filled sky. The moon shone on her face, on the water, on the lake, on her arms and legs and hands. She shouted with a war cry, blood-curdling, stomach-churning, rampaging without stopping. The headache splitting her in two, one half going one way, one another. Food travelled, fork by fork, filled fork and spoon, more wine, more accelerant, speeding her journey till she was as high as the clouds skating across the silver and blue face of the moon. She stood up in the boat on the lake and shouted. Her headache made her sway. She fell overboard. She drowned in the drink that was flowing freely. More drops of painkiller squeezed the pipette till the bottle ran dry. A cry from somewhere else in the restaurant, bar, hotel, or whatever it was they were in. A distant sound of a crowd singing happy birthday. It's your birthday, isn't it? She mumbled. What? The person on her right said and leaned in closer. It's your birthday. Say it's your birthday. Then in a louder voice to her team round the table, she said, Hey, did you know it's his birthday? He kept it quiet, didn't he? Dark horse. She began singing. Happy birthday. And they all joined in. She called the waiter over. Come here, waiter, she yelled. Waiter, waiting, waiting at the table. The waiter looked at how drunk they all were. It's his birthday, she said, thumping her colleague on the shoulder. Bring a cake, a sparkler and candles. It's his birthday. Is it really, the waiter said. She blundered on. He kept it secret, never told us. He's, he's a sly one, isn't he? She laughed, expecting the waiter to laugh, but he didn't. He leant across to the man on her right and said, Is it really your birthday? She watched the waiter talking to the floor manager. The floor manager looked over to their table and shrugged. The cake came, but not by him, the waiter, who hadn't believed her. She stood up and sang more loudly, encouraging other tables to join in as the cake was delivered. The cake was blown out. Make a wish, she shouted. Make a wish. No one ate the cake. She sank in her seat and began to snarl. Out came her foot when the same waiter next passed by. Sent him flying, he clattered to the floor, all smashed glass and cutlery, leftover food splattered in broken plates. A guttural uproar from her table and other tables joined in the jeering mob laughter. 
She overthanked the maids who cleaned it all up, just to rub it in. The put-down of that arrogant shithead of a waiter. She watched him with the floor manager, obviously getting scolded, getting told in no uncertain terms he was no longer wanted. She felt a warm glow inside her as she gloated. She introduced herself to the floor manager even though she was slurring, unable to walk in a straight line. The floor manager knew who she was and where she was from and what that meant. The floor manager had no choice. He nodded his head and shrugged. The waiter lost his job that night and then couldn't pay his rent. And because he'd been sacked, couldn't get another legitimate job had to sink into the slime and skulk round the edges of the shining golden city. Acer and her team staggered on in their drunken haze into the casino and played the tables with a bounty of golden coins. More drinks were poured over them, everyone red-faced and laughing. They were treated like movie stars from the old days. She woke on the floor of an apartment she didn't recognise, not sure what had happened or why her clothes were wet like she'd been swimming fully clothed in a lake. She tried to work out how she'd got there and what time it was. We knew exactly how she'd got there and we knew what time it was. Her time had run out. It was time to intervene and reclaim her.